Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is part two of my conversation with Dale Dupree, the leader of the Sales Rebellion. Part one, we got into a lot of different things that I hope you enjoyed. Part two, we really dive in on legacy. Dale talks about the biggest obstacle that he overcame in his life, and it's a powerful, powerful conversation about someone just being totally real and transparent. I hope you enjoy part two of my conversation with Dale Dupree here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Encouragement. And I wanted to be the guy that you could go to for encouragement and say, okay, yeah, I've got a ton of expertise, but you know what? When you're hurting and you're struggling, you don't care about expertise. You want you want to know that somebody is there that can put their arm around you and look you in the eye and go, man, I have been there and let me tell you what happened to me because I see it in you. When you think about your dad's story, building his company and, 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 and going through those things, what ultimately is the, is the end? What ultimately is the plot of the story of Curtis Dupree? What do you think made your dad's story so incredibly impactful and interesting? Jesus. Simple as that. I was scared there for a minute. I thought you were going to use that as a throwaway line, man. I was like, I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Jesus. It a hundred percent. It's all, it's all about, it's all about Jesus. Amen. My dad, my dad, his whole entire story from his struggles as a teenager his struggles through college, his alcoholism, you know, he, that he was, he got sober and saved from a 35 cold Turkey. How many people have to go to AA and have to have, you know, accountability in these things. Like my dad had Jesus. And I can't say much more to it than that. Changed (laughs) changed everything for him. It did. It did. Wrote a story, wrote our story, wrote the legacy of the man. Yeah. And, and Dale, that's why I tell my dad's story. And that's why my book that's coming out in July, I'm releasing it on my parents' anniversary is because, you know, my dad told me the biggest piece of advice my dad told me, he said, never forget people buy from people. But it was more than that. It was just, it was, it was the things that our dads did for us that I feel like that I have to pass into my now 19 year old son. And, and pass it and play it forward for, for him. I love what you said there about, about Jesus changing everything for your dad. When you think about now the legacy that you're, you're passing down to your son, how much wisdom are you going to impart to him from his grandfather who he never knew? All of it. I hope to – I mean, I, I hope to get it to – you know, a hundred percent of like what the man taught me right into my, into my son. And then, you know, I, I feel like he'll glean my, from my lessons as well by seeing them as a lot of them as what it was I was taught by his grandfather. Mm-hmm. So, and then his great grandfather as well too, he was a huge influence on my life just the same. 
and a huge influence on my father's life. Mm -hmm. You know, so it is generational, the legacy side of, of dads being there for their sons and on, on this side of, of, of my family, not my mom's side by any means, but on my dad's side, you know, we're and I look to change that fully. I mean, my, my brother is a absolutely amazing father to his three kids. My brother-in-laws, both of them are, are both amazing dads to their children. They each have three as well. Now I see a legacy of my dad in regards to the love, in regards to the walk, in regards to the focus that his life took on a daily basis inside of all those things. And I hope that one day it'll be almost unmeasurable the amount of impact that my son makes, that my son's sons make, that my brother-in-law's sons make, that, that it is so big, the impact that they have, that it, it almost, not to say that I'm trying to shut out all the negativity of the past, but that it, it overshadows those things. And that even though they are something that are apparent and they're a part of our story and a part of our walk to a degree, that they will be something that are very minute in, in, at the end of the day. Right, because I I believe that we can generation generationally that that generational wealth per se mm -hmm. isn't just money that mm -hmm. it's knowledge that's right it's power that we're passing along to the next your life is simple when you can allow it to be something that is much bigger than yourself mm -hmm. right and that's Jesus is what that truly is you know when you can get it to that place it becomes a lot more simple it'll still always be confusing and you'll wonder. You know, why God occasionally as well, too, because that's who we are as humans. You know, there's an acceptance there as well that we have to come to terms with. But I hope that at the core of everything, that my son and that all of his his cousins will see my dad and all the, the, the things that we've done and, and our friends, as a matter of fact, as well, too. You know, because mm -hmm. I, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, 99% of my friends that met my father were impacted by him. I mean, even the ones that never met him tell me all the time, they just say, you're I know I don't know your dad, but the way you talk about him, the, the stories you tell, the things I've read, it it makes me feel like I've learned from him. And that's the goal. Well, and and again, man, I love what you said there. There's there's just so much there to unpack. It's it's you know, it's not what and it's like they the the old story goes, it's the dash. It's it's what you do from the time you're able to make impact until the time you you stop breathing. If I could go here for just a, a quick minute, and I want to pivot to to other things you've done. Your dad had had cancer, obviously. That if you don't mind me sharing that, your your dad your dad passed away from cancer. Walking through that, and I've known people. My dad died suddenly, so I didn't have the the time to sit down and go, "Hey, what do you want to do?" How are we going to do this? Things like that. As you think about the last few months of your dad's life, was there something that he told you specifically there at the end? If you, if you feel like sharing it, if it's too personal, I completely understand. But was there something that your dad told you? Like, listen, I know my time is getting shorter, so don't forget this. Was there one of those moments for you? Those moments existed throughout my entire life with my father, that he took every moment, every breath that he had so seriously and was so intentional with it that I was learning those types of moments from the very beginning. 
but I will I will say I will break down and be vulnerable and say that there was things there was there were messages of what it was that he wanted to request for me to do in his absence around my siblings there were words of wisdom that I'll never forget there was encouragement on top of all those things toward what I've done, my career, my goals, what's next. There was a vision of the greater purpose. And so there was, it was an overwhelming amount of information at the end of the day when you really break it all down, but it came in spurts as well. I think it's different for everybody and their experience. I'm glad it happened the way that it did for me though, because I never felt that my dad hid anything from me or that he was worried that I was going to find out about something when he was gone, you know, because, because we didn't have that moment of, Hey, let me tell you something real quick <laughs> before I don't have yeah. any more time. Yeah. And so I'm grateful to him for that, for the transparency throughout my life, for the vulnerability that he practiced with us for the love that he showed I mean, it was what well, to this day, dude, when I hear people say, you know, I that don't know that I lost my dad that say, you know, yeah, my dad sucks. I never talked to him and I don't know where he is. I, I look that person in the eye almost every time and say, screw you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd do anything to know that my dad was still on this earth. I know, right? You know, and, and so it's one of those emotions where where the end really is what set the precedence for just the beginning, right? The legacy to come. So I, dude, I I believe that we'll be able to create our own internal history with the family. You know, and regardless of who shares it with us, I know that God will bring the right people in to be affected by it. But that I I believe that that we can tell these stories and that my son's kids will learn about, you know, two generations, three generations back, what was happening inside of their family and how we were living our lives and, mm -hmm. and what was important and why, right? Not just, not just to tell the stories, but to explain them, to explain mm -hmm. the reasons behind them, you know, not to hear about that on your, on your mom's side that, you know, everybody's getting a divorce and then marrying their divorcee's sibling, you know, but, but, you know, learning about this part, this generation that's coming from my father and my mother to me and my siblings to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Man, I was a little concerned because you were talking about divorcee and I thought he's going to say marrying their cousin, which is totally West Virginia, you know. Close. You know. <laughs> well, Kentucky. Sibling. Yeah. yeah. Kentucky. So it's a Kentucky. little bit yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. This yeah. is we so powerful. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, right? Right. But I want to pivot here for just a minute because I want I want our audience to to have the complete Dale Dupree experience, okay? This is and it's an experience, let me tell you. These are these are just like phone calls that he that he and I have shared. But Dale, you you have done some pretty interesting things in your life. You played in a Christian rock band. Now, I want you to, if you don't mind, how in the world did you get from from having toner in your veins to playing in a Christian rock band? Well, I 
I, that was the first thing technically that I did. I was a barista at a coffee shop was my first job um, at 16 and oh, which I don't even think you can get a job at 16 now. You know, like I think that there's child labor laws against that. Well, in West Virginia, you can get married at 16. So, you know, you're right. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't <laughs> say anything around any of these things because <laughs> just because of West Virginia. I know. Virginia. Right. 12 years old working at a coffee shop. Yeah, that's not a problem. Go so, for it, man. Dig ditches, do it, do your thing, you know, do what you want to do. Yeah. So, so I was about 16. I got, I, I was a barista and I was, I was playing locally in a, in a, in a band that wanted to become a, a touring band. And so we, we pursued it. We got more serious, more practices during the week, more practices over the weekends. It's a job, you know, people talk, people look at it and think of it as, Oh, you're having fun. You know, you're hanging out with your friends, you're smoking pot you know, you're, you're hanging out with all these beautiful girls. That's not a job. I'll tell you what right now is the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Teaching myself restraint, teaching myself discipline around the action of writing music, of playing the music, of practicing the music. There was a lot to it. It wasn't just winging it at the end of the day. We were well, very well oiled too. You know, we were kids, but we were right. well oiled. We were, and he, we were given massive compliments from people of, I've never seen anything quite like you guys when y'all get on stage. Well, and here's the thing too, and, and let's be real for a second here. Just because an act, an act calls themselves Christian doesn't mean they're living at the foot of the cross. Is that a fair, is, is that a fair thing to say? Oh, bro. I could tell you stories out the wazoo. You know, we could go on for another 16 hours of, men and women that I met on the road that were high as a kite uh, off to the side of the stage before they got on it and worshiped. I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you things that most people shouldn't have to see in the first place, but, I, but I'll tell you what came out of it for me was that I, especially the clarity that I have now, you know, cause a lot of those people I still am in contact with, so to speak, mostly just through Facebook, right. Mm -hmm. That's the place to go to keep in touch with all the crazy people that you've met all your life. But I know, right you know, watching them and seeing just how lost they still are and how it all, how, where it stems from, where it started and their inability to, to accept that they were wrong and that they're still wrong. Right. That self-reflection piece is huge. It, it made me come home from touring in my band. And by the way, you know, we, we, we did our first tour 52 days, not unsigned. We, we had a truck, a trailer that we, that we borrowed from my, my father-in-law and when I say truck, I mean like a, a bed, you know, that you could put three people in and then the back, right. The, where the bed was, you know, three in the cab and then the back. So we had, we had six people in the band plus two roadies. So we had people, we had people, one group of people following us in a car, which they ended up riding home about four States away. Like this isn't working, go home. And then the rest of the band was, shacked up in the other vans so these these bands had to make the decision to like let us <laughs> stay on the tour and ride with them basically right mm -hmm. so it was one hell of a trip dude it was one of the craziest memories i remember waking up in the back of that truck one one night and it was snowing on me and because we had no place to sleep no place to go and we i mean we lived like we were homeless and every night we played like we were rock stars like it didn't matter if there was one person in the room either dude we played for the most important one person in the area, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we looked at it. And we, we busted our butts and we got home after those 52 plus days 
and we got 11 record label contracts sitting in front of us. Would you guys like to sign with us? Hey, would you, I mean, major record labels, small ones. And it started a career that was, that was in, in very intentional for me in regards to what kind of success I wanted and where we went with it. But it also, excuse me, it created a piece of me that I still have today that is very evident in my life that I try to keep at the forefront, which is that I realized that I was an angry person and that I was not a very kind person either. And that, that that wasn't truly who I wanted to be though, but that, that, that was something that I was being sucked into. And so instead of sitting back and saying like, Oh, I'm not that guy anymore. I got on the phone and I called about 20 people that either I had wronged or had wronged me and I felt terrible toward them and it had done things, you know, after I'd been wronged that it were unnecessary and I should have never done in the first place. And all but one said, I forgive you. And, and then that, that one, I've never talked to him since. He told me to pound sand, dropped a couple F-bombs on me. But, but which was cool because I'll tell you, that was the last call. And I remember hanging up off that last one and just being like, oh, God, that feels so good to just like get through all this and to mm. feel that I'm intentionally moving forward in regards to my stuff and what my problems are, owning them, right? This fake Christianity that I was living out through what I was doing, you know, and sure I was praying over people every once in a while and I was preaching the gospel, but dude, I was, I was a terrible person, you know, cause then you could find me about five minutes later, you could find me whooping up some dude, the biggest dude at the party that we went to, you know, and, and messing around with whatever anybody had. And now I wasn't a hard drug user. And at one point I was, I was even a, opposed and against marijuana, which should be legal. Um, you know, deal to pre 2020 if you want to vote, but should be legal in, in the United States. It's, it's petty to me that we put people in prison for things like smoking weed, but we allow people to drink. And I'm not going to go on a tangent here, but the idea was, is that I, I was against drinking against weed. I mean, the whole nine and I'm, listen, we're talking about the rock star life here, no matter where you go or what you do, there's booze and drugs involved, like no matter what. So it wasn't that I had an outlet around those things i just had to live in them and somehow i told i lied to myself and i said this is okay because i'm not doing these things bull crap right i never stood up to them i never i never took a stand against them and because of of that and of itself and a righteous one too by the way because every once in a while yes i would get i would speak out i was a jerk mm -hmm. i mean it was a plain and simple so i gotta ask you something here what what is what's the biggest lesson that you took from life on the road that you incorporate into your company today? The way you treat people and the way and, and who you are to every single person that you encounter. Because you'd have a you'd have a guy on stage or a girl on stage, say names here, so I'm gonna say both genders so no one knows what I'm talking about. And and you would you would watch this person night after night do the same thing over and over again, put on the same face. And, and that every day after that show, though, every night after that show and then during the day before it, over and over for 30, 40 days sometimes that you would be on tour with these bands, you'd learn something new about them. You'd see something else that you, that you never saw inside of that consistency on stage. And I started to sit back and think, well, this is a joke. You know, you're not the thing that we all look at. You're not the thing that these these girls and boys are coming to this show to be a part of. You're a liar, is what you are. You're and and I'm a hypocrite for allowing for not saying anything about it and live and being in here with you in the first mm -hmm. place. That's how I started to look at it. I it wasn't just about putting blame on other people. It was about also saying like, what are you doing to stand up against it? 
And so, and it's not about, again, it's not about like burning the house down, you know, with everybody inside because they're all bad. It's about just voicing what it is that's right in those instances. When someone says, hey, do you want to smoke this? Don't say, nah, I'm good. You know, say, say no, man, because I got Jesus and I don't need that. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. you want to talk about that, I'd be happy to. Yeah, be intentional. <laughs> be, be who you are. And, and Dale, that's, that's the thing that, that I think is missing. And I'll pivot it back a little bit here because, again, I, I, you know, I used to tell my salespeople that I managed, I said, look, anything you say can and will be used against you. And because my dad always told me, if you say it, own it. The one thing my dad hated, I could, I could smoke, I could drink. My dad didn't like it. My dad didn't want it in his house. But I, if I lied to my dad about it, it was over. My dad was so intentional, like, you're always going to tell me the truth, no matter what. And if you don't tell me the truth, it's going to be worse on you when I find out you didn't tell me the truth. My dad was intentional about making me tell the truth. And I love what you said there about authenticity, because authenticity is truth. There's no, there's no faking authenticity. It's the real thing. It's, it's true 100% of the time. When you think about your life, your company, and things like that, in the, in the last few minutes we've got together, share with me the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome. The one that comes to mind right away <clears throat> is my depression. The, the thing is, is that I like, to, I like to say that I am beating it, that I have that I have beaten it, that I am conquering it, but I also have to recognize and understand that it is an ongoing fight and that it is not something that you just get to wake up and not have anymore. Mm-hmm. That, that, and I don't know how to explain the reasons for why. And I hear people all the time that say, no, don't accept that. And especially a lot of my friends that are Christians, you know, Jesus will take that from you. Listen, I look at it like this. When you have like, a literal handicap, you know, and Jesus can take those things too, but he doesn't always, bro. That's right. <laughs> you know, and so I, I look at it from that perspective that it's not a, I'm not a crutch. I don't use it as a crutch, but I look at it as, as, as a deficiency in my life. And that's something that, that more than anything, what it threatens to do on a daily basis is to take me away from the work that I've been called to do. And that not, not away from, even away from my family or my friends, but away from the people that I'll never meet if I were to walk away from this life, if I were to walk away from my flesh and mm-hmm. to move on. So, so because of that and that struggle, I talk about it out loud. I say things like I am right now on this podcast with you because it professes and proclaims the truth of what it is that I go through as a struggle, mm-hmm. but also the victory that I, I like to have over it. Mm-hmm. And the victory is, is that someone will hear this and we'll say, I feel the same way sometimes. And we'll be able to, to latch to that feeling of, of having a brother on this earth that they know is not afraid and not ashamed of what it is that, that we yeah. do sometimes by ourselves when no one's watching yeah. in regards to the way we feel about who we are, the doubts that we have and, and struggle with. You know, but I'll tell you that in the midst of overcoming these things, because I believe that I'm beating them, um, that they come back often, right? And that's the big piece of the puzzle that most people need to understand is that if they, in their life, no matter what it is, if they overcome something particular, 
inside of their walk that seems like a massive struggle, it doesn't just fade away. And it doesn't deserve to be faded away either because the thing is, is that if it, in your life, if it doesn't ever show up again, awesome. I'm super proud of you and I'm happy yeah. to hear that. But other people need to hear about your struggle because they're having the same one and they deserve to get the insight from somebody that can lead them through it in the first place. Well, here's the thing. Even if you get delivered and set free from it, whether it's depression, pornography, addiction, whatever it is, that doesn't mean that it's never going to come back to you and try to tempt you and try to pull you back into that world. The enemy doesn't work that way. The enemy is always trying. He may let you, he'll, he'll let you have your victory, but it's not to say that it won't come back at some point. I, I, I've got to go here real quick. I've got to go here because I think this is so important. When people are struggling with something like that, as a salesperson, the way we're wired and the way we're trained and the way that we're coached is you've got to be on, like an entertainer almost. I knew the times that, that I was having a crappy day that I was like, man, I'm getting ready to go see a customer. And you walk in and go, hey, you know, it, you're on. It's like you're on stage. It's like you're on because your customers don't care that you've had a bad day. Guess what? They've had a bad day too. They could give two hoots about that. And you got to put that aside. Were there times that it was hard for you to put that aside and be on in the moment like you knew you had to be? Or did you just say, listen, this is who I am. And, and hey, Mr. Customer, I'm sorry, but I've had a crappy day. You know, I hope you can forgive me through it. I'm just not quite on my game today. It's hard for me to talk about any of this stuff. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, <laughs> and, and listen, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to. That's what I love about you, Dale. Is is that you're not afraid to talk about it. Most people will say to themselves, and, and we'll get to to your encouragement here in just a second. But let me do, let's just be real. The the you, me, and the audience. We're all imperfect people. All of us are all imperfect people. If you think Brian Sexton and Dale Dupree have it all together, we've got it all figured out, we've got it all going on, you are sadly, sadly mistaken. And this is the point of the podcast, and I love where we're at in this podcast, Dale, because I can imagine somebody listening to this in the car going, I'm suffering with this. And I'll share something from, from my recent, something I had to get past was for the last year, a little over a year with my situation in my church, I'm, I'm active in my church, but, but I dealt with anger, bitterness, jealousy, frustration because of some things that were happening. And, and it caused me to bring arrogance every time that I would get to play or do something I'd be like, look here, I'm the man, let's go. You know, I'm going to show you how good I am. And this is what it caused in me was all those things to surface until I was praying one day and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're the problem. And the hardest place to look sometimes for help is in the mirror. The hardest place to look for help sometimes is to look at yourself and go, you're the friggin' problem. 
It's not anybody else. And my wife told me that, Dale. And that was the thing, man, is my wife told me, you're the problem. And I blew up at my wife. I've been married to my wife almost 24 years. I blew up at her because I couldn't look in the mirror and see that, that I was the problem. But here's what happened with me. I repented, and then I called my pastor, and I said, I'm sorry. Here's, I have done some things that you don't know about, but I'm sorry. And, 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 and I don't mean to hijack the conversation. This is about you and talking to you. But I really feel like that somebody has got to look themselves like you did. You looked yourself in the mirror and said, man, I, this is who I am. So let's pivot real quick here and bring this back. What's your biggest piece of encouragement to somebody that's walking through that, that part? And they said, look, man, it's scary and hairy. I don't know what to do and how to do it. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement, bro? Yeah, the, you know, like the reason why I stuttered to answer that is because the first thing that comes to mind is that even a guy like me needs it sometimes, like more so than people would recognize or know in the first place. So maybe it's not even so much about like what you're going through as much as how you look at yourself and how other people perceive you. Maybe sometimes you're under the pressures of being the leader. And people look at you for all that encouragement and all that advice and, they, and they're waiting for you to say something at every mo moment, at, at every corner, at every turn. As a nation, we're going through something real difficult right now. Yeah. And I watched, I watched a man get up on in front of a whole group of people that doesn't normally do what he did because they were saying, you've got to come say something. If you don't come say something, people will be completely... I mean, they'll be, they'll be emotionless over this whole thing to an extent because your words are what are going to create substance. And the first things that come out of his mouth is, I, I shouldn't be up here. And that's mm -hmm. the truth because of the way that I feel right now and because of the things that I'm struggling with. I shouldn't be up here. But I know someone has to be. So the encouragement that I would give to everybody going through that thing that they're going through right now is that it's okay if you feel lost understand that that getting out of it is not just by your own will and your own actions so being intentional about getting out of these things is important but take it to the cross and remember that there's a community that backs you that you don't have to sit wondering whether or not the advice that you do give yourself in these moments and the actions that you do take to get out of these ruts that you're in are right if you rely and trust on a community of people that breathe life into you daily. If you have mentors that love you, if you have, if you have faith that backs you, if you have a system designed around you that continues to keep you in the place that you want to be in the first, you know, before anything else, before all the agendistic things, before all the money, before all the fame, before all the, all the, the status, if at the core of all those things, you know thyself and by knowing thyself, others do as well you will be successful. And, and that, and that is what that success right there is, is the rise uh, of, and in, in regards to the action that you take to get over the hump that you're dealing with is the rise of your story, right? It's, it's the beginning stages. Shit, dude, Brian, some people are listening probably right now thinking like, I got all the money I need. <laughs> <laughs> I got all the things I need, 
but uh, why am I being, why do I feel stuck in a bad place? Yeah. Right. No matter where you are in life, you can be at the lowest point or the highest and be struggling with these types of things. Just remember that it, it it's okay to, to be not okay in yeah. those moments. And, and that a, a community at your back is the most important piece. That's what's kept me in the state that I am. I mean, it's hard to talk about this stuff, but it's, but I'll tell you that it gets, it gets easier with every single day and every single time that you do it. And, and, but don't let it get to a place like it had to for me. You yeah. know, I didn't yeah. talk like this until my dad died, you know, and mm-hmm. then I woke up and realized that it's important that we speak these truths and that we know thyself and that we build a community that, that feels like a kingdom and not a castle at the yeah. middle. Right? Yeah. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation, man. You've been so great with your time is because it would be easy for you and I to talk shop or to go, Hey, let's have a conversation about sales that you've had a thousand times. I wanted people to get to know the real Dale Dupree and get to know the, the guy that you are, uh, the friend that you are and, and, and just tell your story, tell people where they can, can get connected with you and, and find out more about what you're doing. Cause man, what you're doing is really powerful. And, and I want people to know where they can find you. Yeah. You can always find me at salesrebellion.com or linkedin.com backslash I and backslash copier warrior for daily feed uh, content. But you can find me on every social network at sales rebellion on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at leader of the sales rebellion. You can find me anywhere guys and girls, but I would say that if you want to go and see the work that I have been doing, the community that I have been building, the kingdom that we're, that we're forging, it's just Google Dale Dupree. That's it. Simple as that. Just Google my name and see the message that, that I've been spreading across multiple platforms, you know, YouTube videos, everything that comes up for the first several pages is about this movement and what it is that we're building, which is about you and not me. Man, that's, that's what a perfect way to end that, the podcast today. Dale Dupree, man, you have been so great with your time. It has been a blast. And, and what's been fun is, is letting people in kind of in, into a little bit of our personal conversations, which is, which is what I always enjoy, man. You're the best. I appreciate you being on the Intentional Encourager podcast today. Thank you, bro. Truth. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me on. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.